0: Welcome to Jaipur Bites, the JLF podcast. I'm your host, Lakshdata. This episode is the audio version of a live online session from JLF Colorado 2020, The Writing Room: The Gurus of Crime. Hussain Zaidi and Vikram Chandra in conversation with Jenny Bhatt.
1: There is I found out I was going to be talking with both of you. I was very excited because I've actually read all your books, except for Geek Sublime. I have read all the other books, and I've actually even written about a couple of them. So I'm very happy to have this conversation. And since we're talking more about the um, craft, I thought rather than asking you the usual questions, which I know you get asked at a lot of places about your movie and film and TV adaptations, I wanted to focus today more on the actual writing craft of crime and noir. And, you know, I, I actually attended one of your Facebook live sessions, which was last weekend, where I think we talked about both of you talked about plot and character. And it got me thinking um, when we talk about plot in crime or noir uh, genre, a very important element, which is also an important element in both your books, when it comes to plot. Is time, how time is used. And I'm thinking specifically, for example, of how, you know, in Vikram's book, Sacred Games, you've got that countdown of the number of days and what's happening. And then also with, um, you know, Black Friday, for example, you've got this countdown. And so time becomes a very important element uh, when it comes to crime and noir. And in I think just in general across the genre. And I wondered if you could both maybe speak a little bit about how you view time as a um, important element of plot and how you've approached it both in your fiction and then some, maybe some examples of where you've seen time being used very well um, that you could share with us.
0: Nassan, I go first? Well, I mean, I think obviously, um sorry, go ahead. No, I
2: think you should start first. I'll, I'll follow. Later. Okay.
0: Okay, so what I was going to say was that that um, I think of all kinds of writing, but especially as we were saying in crime fiction in general, um, uh, there's often a timer put on events, right? And and in major ways, like the 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 device often of the disaster that's going to happen, unless the protagonists uh, somehow manage to stop it, right? But even in smaller segments, right? There's always the um, so and so is getting on a boat to escape to, uh, you know, uh, Zambia in like five minutes, and so you better have to get there. So I think the ma- the most obvious thing that people do is deploy time as a means of generating suspense. Mm-hmm. But also, I think in both Hussein and I, in the work that we do, there's also al- always a lot of backstory, right? Like. Uh, the the present of any character but especially in this kind of fiction is rooted in history Um, and so what i find very useful is jumping back and forth obviously that's what i end up doing Uh, and then you know you kind of uh, you can make the past present uh, you can make the past appear in the present through that kind of thing and again this is not this is very common right the use of flashbacks of memory uh, to illuminate something Hussein.
2: Uh, now, I find uh, that using this element of time is different in fiction and it's absolutely different in non-fiction. Now, I was initially writing a lot of non-fiction books, so I realized that I had have to have follow a linear flow of the stories and sometimes the non-linear might be confusing for the readers. For example, I can't be writing something about now 2020 and tell them what happened 10 years earlier so the biggest restricting factor for me in non-fiction was that i have to follow the linear thing which in fiction as we have all the flexibility and and we are more free in a way we have to tell a story in the craft that we have to use the narrative arc it is very easy to use flashback or you can you know kind of go back so we use it differently in both the thing as in in non-fiction i am trying to be always linear and in fiction i'm trying to be non-linear i can change the time and i can play around with the factor where how to use the time and uh, I realized that it is much more enjoyable when we are using the uh, non-linear format because these days we see even Hollywood has been using a lot of non-linear mode even Bollywood has been using a lot of non-linear storytelling technique but however for the sake of convenience and for the sake of understanding the reader I think in non-fiction I will always stick to being linear and you know having a chronological sequence of the order.
1: Well, that, and that's a very good point. I hadn't because I'm also mostly a fiction writer, other than my book review stuff. So I hadn't thought about what you just said—that with with nonfiction you try to keep the chronology versus yeah. with um, fiction. That makes sense. And I think coming back to what you said just there, Vikram, is you know time as an element to create suspense, but also then time uh, with the back and forth in the narrative to give backstory. And I found that a lot in in Sacred Games, for example, where where we were getting a lot of Sertaj Singh's backstory or even Gaithonde's. And I thought, I remember reading that, and I thought, there's 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 a trick here that, you know, when I say trick, it's not a trick. What I mean is there's a skill here, in knowing, how much and how often, to go back and forth. And I think that that's in both of your cases with both your fictions. I think it's important, even with, for example, Mafia Queens of Mumbai. Um, where you know you did you know go back and forth is that because when you're telling us the story of one of the characters you're going back into their potentially their childhood or their life defining moment to then shed light on why they are where they are today and so there is this balance right of knowing when to set your present time from where to tell the story how do you decide that how do you decide so, where so that present you time
2: yeah, so Since you give example of the Mafia Queen of Mumbai, that was quite an experimental book that I have done. You will mm-hmm. see that it has uh, a compilation of 13 profiles of different women. Mm-hmm. And in one of the stories uh, Vikram appears, you know, as a cameo yeah. character in there. Right, so we right. both are chasing that Mafia Queen and her mm-hmm. boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Now in that story you will see that uh, I have gone back only with the help of this storytelling technique of her boyfriend Ustra Hussain mm-hmm. Ustra, who actually trained this girl, Sapna Didi, in becoming a killing machine. Mm-hmm. So how the whole story was based only the way he was narrating and that's how the whole story unfolded. So mm-hmm. I have a confession to make. I had no other way to go back in the past and narrate the story if Ustra would not have narrated it.
0: Mm-hmm. So uh,
2: this is one handicap that I felt there. But then somehow we tried to camouflage the whole handicap with a beautiful storytelling and uh, somehow Sapna Didi's character was so engrossing that nobody noticed this, you know, handicap in the story, that there's only one character who's narrating the whole story and that's how they can see the whole story in front of them.
1: Uh, okay. yeah.
0: yeah, you <laughs> often do that, right? So you all, you know, the, the sort of very common scene in a detective story, for instance, right? Where they find, the the detective finds a protagonist, uh, uh, an informer in some back alley and he's roughing him up and then yeah. the guy spills it, right? Yeah, so what yeah. that is, is a, it's a very, Obvious trick, right? Because you you want to do exposition, but you have to dress it up in drama, right? So the reader mm-hmm. doesn't know that they are getting an information dump,
1: mm-hmm. right?
0: Yeah. But the same thing yeah. happens in like cop stations, right? That that uh, interrogation room thing. Um, so people do this all the time, yeah. It's,
1: right, it's, right.
0: And then I mean, at least for me, um, you or everyone, I think you you want to start at a dramatic moment, right? Where yeah. the conflict, in a sense, is already rolling. Right. Mm. And then you do the backstory. And this is an ancient principle, right? Start in the right. middle and don't don't worry about the backstory. It will come later.
1: Right. Yeah. In medias res. Yeah. I, I, I had. That's a, what right...
2: Vikram taught me. I learned this principle from Vikram while doing Black Friday. Uh-huh. And I don't know if he has noticed or not, but since Black Friday, I've used this in all of my books, you <laughs> know, smart ways so that people cannot notice, but I learned this from him actually.
1: Right, right. Well, that, that, that's great. And I, you know, obviously, that's one of the things I've learned in my writing workshops as well. Um, but I did have one instructor give me one piece of advice, which I love. You know, it's about start in mid rest for sure. But it's even more interesting if you start at the point of no return, which is your hero or your protagonist has said or done something that they can't take back. Yeah, and yeah. now what? Right, now what they've, they've done? I mean, yes, you're starting in the middle of action, but now they've said or done something. And I mean, that just sets everything loose. And I can't say that I'm as skilled um, to get to that every time, but I do keep that in the back of my head when I'm trying to write a you know, conflicted opening. So that's that's great to know.
0: Yeah. Um, well, also, so, I just wanted to say about time, and yeah. especially when you're dealing with history, it. I have to say it gets hard to do. Right, because because even when I'm writing fiction and I'm placing it against the background of history, against real events, the events have to line up, right? Mm. Uh, so that you know, Sartaj is the first responder on um, bombing in Bombay in a certain year. That mm. means he's this old, right? He can't have left high school. So mm. when they, one of the first major decisions that had to be made when uh, the book *Sacred Games* was being made over into a uh, into a, a series was like do we set do, the, do we do this as a period piece or does does it come you know to the late 2000s and then once the decision was made um to bring it to 2018 everything changed right all the ages and i remember going into the writers room at, in bombay and on a big blackboard, they had all the characters and their birthdays and ages written, right?
1: Oh my goodness, Because gosh, yeah. everything
0: had to be brought forward and everything gets messed up, right? Right,
1: right. Uh,
0: so so it is a, it's a—it's not an easy problem when you're right. writing fiction, especially, and often, you know, if you change one date even, um, you know, you move one event forward, then all the connected events in the past and in the um, in the future have to adjust as well
1: yeah yeah i mean because you've got multiple characters and you've got these historical events you can't get those details wrong so totally yeah so so let's talk about you know you just mentioned mumbai both of you and that's that kind of segues nicely into the next question i have which is about place setting as a character because you know i mean, I, I grew up in bombay and i've known you know i grew up in the western suburbs then we moved to the Juhu area so i didn't i lived a, pretty middle-class life where I didn't go to Dongri and some of these places that you guys have written about so my introduction to a lot of these places was through fiction right and so when I read about these places uh, that are in Mumbai Bombay as I knew it but you know I'm reading about it through fiction because I wasn't physically as a as a middle-class woman not allowed to go to those places and I, I would feel like how vividly you know you brought those areas, locations to life on the page. And, and to, so, so I'd like to just ask that question. Talk to me a little bit about how you see place or setting in crime and noir fiction, in your fiction, as yet another character, Bombay as the city is another character in your writing.
2: Uh, see, to be honest, in Mumbai, if I'm writing about Mumbai mafia, i cannot uh, place mumbai mafia say in juhu it will mm, look of very course. unreal yeah,
1: right. and
2: uh, they have to be in their own predominantly uh, locality where they are in majority and where they operate from right. now uh, south mumbai is an area where all these guys have got clustered you know dahud and arun gavli karim lala haji hassan they are into south mumbai area and especially mm-hmm. in the Muslim ghetto side and mm-hmm. what they call you know these guys they don't refer to the uh, places they don't say Paiduni or they don't mm-hmm. say Kalba Devi or mm-hmm. they won't even say uh these guys when they talk among themselves they say Bombay number 3 Bombay number 9 that's how they talk mm-hmm. among themselves so now oh. if I'm going to be writing about, yeah, these places I have to be well words with what is Bombay number 3 and what area does it cover Bombay number mm-hmm. 9 kya hai? what is there in Bombay number 9? And then what are the what is the geography you will not uh, believe that i you know in the first year of my writing i sat with a huge map of mumbai and i kind of you know memorized the whole setting the whole topography where is kalbadeev okay this is bullion marking and this Kalbadevi does not have any muslim pocket at all it is actually a very stronghold of gujarati jain and those mm-hmm. builders so Ka- uh, uh, businessmen so now this is totally out then this is dongri now mehman Shams Market, JJ Square, uh, this uh, BP Road. I remembered all those areas name and then even today I have a huge map. When I start writing, I want to be very correct in my way so that I don't make mistake. I am not from dogri I have lived all my life in Northern Mumbai, say in Ghatkopar area and Victoria mm. area. So I mm. don't want to be mistaken in that. At the same time, I want to portray them accurately, Mumbai Mafia and South Mumbai so that people cannot pinpoint any kind of factual errors in my storytelling
0: yeah, yeah. And as as Hussein was saying that you know it, it's not just a geography of of physical places and buildings it's a social geography right and as you were saying, the person who lives in Juhu and comes out of there is very different from the person who lives elsewhere.
1: So mm-hmm.
0: in order to get the reader to engage with the character and to for yourself even to understand who that person is, you have to deal with the physical surroundings which are also social surroundings right uh, and then uh hossein knows this territory like nobody else does right and uh, he was my kind of guide into this entire world and um and it's actually i mean for me um, it's fun right you 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 move between these various worlds and this is the thing that detective and crime fiction has always been able to do because the investigator Uh, starts investigating a murder at one corner of the city, uh, maybe the person who's uh, murdered is poor, right? An outsider. And then through the detective's investigation, through the middle layers, you find out that the murderer is the governor, right? And and so you you get this kind of up, you know, you can move uh, horizontally across the city, but also vertically along the various layers of the culture. And that's great fun to watch and it's great fun to do.
1: Yeah, but it's and I took to him around
2: I... I took him around to the dark underbelly of the city, the way we went to Dagri I mean, you should remember the, how Vikram Chandra was sitting there in a, in the area, Gauri is lording over his throne and all his people. And we're sitting in a place which seemed to be like more of a mandir or a temple than a dawn's den. And Vikram was sitting very comfortably absorbing the surrounding. Maybe for making notes, mental notes, which I did see at the time. And then Karim Dala's house, one Pathan's house, very sober kind of thing. We have been to even shady places like Bapu Kote Street, where every third youngster would be carrying a gun under his pocket. And we have moved around these places in Mumbai. I don't know whether Vikram remember all those places, but today when I remember, I mean, you know, I just feel that what all we have explored in the city. Yeah. Well, yeah.
1: Sorry, go yeah, ahead. you know no I, I think that's fascinating because you know as you were just saying na- naming those places each of the, the individual places you've just named it has a character of its own which then adds to the pre- the person there you know if you if you've situated a fictional character in a certain setting you're also adding to the atmosphere and the sense of that character right because their surroundings tell us something about them. So I, I think that's kind of um, interesting, and and you know you mentioned about um, one of the places that you just went to, Hussein, where they every third young man had a had a gun, every person, yes. which reminded me of this you know well-known story now of how you got kidnapped in Iraq, right? Because yeah, they yeah, wanted yeah. to yeah they wanted to meet Amitabh Bachchan or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Yes. And, that yes, was so I, I, yes. Yeah, and, and so I won't go into that particular story, but I'm curious because you're going into you know to all these. Pretty risky places, both of you. Um, do you like? Do you have a certain process where you know you have to have like uh, you have to tell family and friends where you're going to be and time and check in with people? Like, if somebody, if I was going to start writing crime fiction in Mumbai now, and I wanted to visit some of those places, what precautions? What what should I be aware of, and what precautions would I take? See, what what uh... would your advice?
2: Fortunately, I have, my, I have married a woman who have covered uh, crime herself. So she is also a crime journalist. So that way, I didn't have to be cautious about anything. And we all know that dangers, what people see from the other side is different than what we see from inside when covering crime. Uh, as such, I have not taken any precaution whenever I go for these stories because I, I was, I think, invariably sure that I'm going to come back alive. Except that Iraq incident, where mm-hmm. I didn't know I'll get kidnapped from a busy Baghdad market and they are going to blindfold me and take me to a place and put me across a man who, who wants to kill me because he thinks I am a Snoopy Pakistani trying to find out about him then I will report to CIA so they had this kind of you know uh, misunderstanding about me but when I told them that I am an Indian journalist he was very happy and then he showed me Amisha Bakkan and yeah. you know the whole story after that so uh, except this time I mean my wife was aware that where I am and what I will be doing and when I am going to come back home So. I don't think I take as such any precaution except by telling me why that today I'm going in this charity for so-and-so story. That's it.
0: Hmm. Yeah. No, I never told anyone, especially my mother,
2: <laughs> <It's>,
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah, she
0: <laughs> Yeah. But I mean, at least, I mean, Hussain's, uh, when he goes in to meet somebody, it's a slightly different, a very different, like, kind of dialogue that happens because I always told everyone I'm a fiction writer, right? and. And often they didn't quite actually get that, right? Why are you writing a book? So then I would say, okay, I'm actually researching a movie, right? And then everybody would get very interested and they would have opinions and, you know. Um, so coming up front, you know, I would say to them, I'm, I'm not writing journalism, I'm not doing reporting. I'm just going to write a story, right? So that sets up a different relationship and people are more willing to talk to you, right?
2: You remember um, that Chelsea, we met at Sakinaka, you're yes. talking to this guy and saying, kya kar rahe ho? Satya bana rahe ho? You know, yes. and instead of we asking questions from this man, he started asking from Vikram, satya bana rahe ho? Kya kar rahe ho? And Vikram was looking at we are here supposed to ask questions. And he was stoned, totally zonged. And this man is asking questions and you should see, Vikram was very patiently asking things. Those kind of things.
1: I love that. By the way, that could be the title of the story. The Chelsea of sakinaka that could just be. Yeah. No, I mean,
0: but I ended up using that yeah. a lot, right? In in the writing, because uh, this fascination with cinema, which is a part of Indian culture in general, uh, is also, of course, goes to um, you know into the crime world, into the policing world. So, uh, and and you know, people had really large opinions about you know, Satya was accurate, but that other movie that was bullshit, right? Like that was mm-hmm. completely a wrong kind of portrayal. And then you know. Um, Hussain will know about this, that sometimes the big time gangsters take offence, right? Yeah, like yeah. somebody will do a... Go ahead,
2: No, no, you continue. continue. I'll, I'll come with the example yeah, you, later. Yeah.
0: yeah. No, I mean, you know, you. somebody thinks, oh, they made a movie on based on my life and you've gotten right. it wrong, right? You showed
2: me as weak yeah. or something like yeah. that and then yeah. they get pissed yeah. off. Yeah. For well, I example, mean, in those days, there was a movie called Gangster which gangster, were shiny Ahuja, Imran Hashmi, and I think Kangana Rao were playing. So they showed that uh, the gangster was supposed to be based on Abu Salim's life. Mm. So, uh, Abu Salim was very offended because in the end, I think he was shown too desperate and was seen begging on the streets. Abu Salim was very furious about that part, that how can you show me? I mean, okay, I love and I was totally increasingly in love with this girl, but I will not beg on the street. I know how to make money and how to remain rich till the end of my life. So those kind of things, they were naming movies and they were getting upset about it.
1: Well, it's, I think i
2: yeah. really had some, some problem about uh, Satya, where he was projecting Satya the way a Hindu Don was projected. And he said, no, they have totally misrepresented me and my image. So been, I've been through this so many times.
1: I can imagine. <laughs> I, can, I mean, I, yeah, it's risky when the people you're writing about are yeah. still living. And even if you're disguising and saying, well, this is a character based on, you still have to try to do them justice in the way that they would like to see which which brings me to my next question when when we talk about characterization and some of your a number of your characters in the fiction that you've written are you know the characters are based on real life as you've said um but what are you know crime and noir fiction sometimes gets uh accused of perpetuating certain stereotypes right certain caricatures and, and I know that it can happen, I'm not saying it's happening in your work, but how do you when you're teaching, when you're teaching students uh, to write, you know, what do you what advice do you give on how to avoid, you know, letting your characters become caricatures or stereotypes? What are some ways to avoid doing that?
2: See, I, I have always tried to, you know, tell my students and whom I mentor while in the process of writing and, you know, on crime journalism that don't get influenced by what you see on the screen. Because what we see on the screen is an exaggerated perception of a director which is not based on facts, may not be accurate. For example, you will always see gangsters on the screen, they are mouthing expletives, they are wearing half a kg gold chain in the neck. Now you will not see real these kind of characters, Vikram has met so many of them. He has met Arun Gavli, which looks more like a politician in a neta, very white starched cloth with a Gandhi cap He has met Hussein Sheikh Gustra, he was wearing Pako Raman perfume and you know very nicely creased pants and shirts of very uh, expensive fabric now with this kind of thing you know what happens is it, it is very difficult to know that what is reality and what is fact but i have been through this for 25 years i know that what is the fact here and the gangster that is portrayed here is actually a total misrepresentation so i keep telling my students don't go by what is on the screen meet some of them in real life now for example uh, i will give an example of shoulder shakil and daud they have never used any abuser exploratives with me Abu Salim, you should see the kind of branded stuff that he wears. Whenever I've met him in the court, he wears branded stuff. And he believes that he is the he's more handsome than Salman Khan. It was bad luck that he ended up on this wrong side of the law, otherwise, he would have a better chance in film industry than Salman has. Now, with this kind of mindset, they are not going to be dressed the way we see them on the screen. You know, this thick gold chain and having pan in their mouth and you know, mouthing expletives. So My whole thing is that it is very different. And that's why I keep telling my people, don't follow the stereotype. Don't follow that image that you see on the screen. Make your own conclusion, meet your own people and be very factual and accurate. when you write about them, which is what you'll see in my book as well. Mm -hmm. I don't follow Mm -hmm. the stereotype. It is different. My gangster will not be wearing a Pathani, will not be a Surma and will (laughs) not have a, you know, all those kind of things. Yeah.
1: Right. Right.
0: No, but as I mean, um, the Hussain Ustra that um, uh, Hussain just spoke about Hussain, the razor. Right. He got that yeah, name in young yeah. because he yeah. carried a straight razor um, as his weapon of choice so when we met him in his house um, he looked like a stockbroker right if you had seen yeah. him on like Nariman point you would have thought he was some like guy dealing in big amounts of money um, and he then like reaches into his pocket and pulls out a little beretta right which he carried all the time uh, so to me that's much more interesting as a character right as, like as a human being um, so I think the effort should be to de- uh, depict people in the, all their complexity, right? And I've never met anyone in my life who thinks they're a bad person, right? Everyone has this story in which their narrative of their own history is, I had to do this, right? Uh, so this whole idea of I'm a baghi I'm a re- rebel against the system, right? So if you're going to do interesting characters, then um, or interesting non-fiction, you have to get that aspect of people into the pages and make your uh, reader engage with them. Uh, and I find it very disappointing when you have these caricatures who uh, who, are, who are constructed in a way that you can predict every action that they're going to take next, right? So it's boring.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's why I like that, you know, your characters in, in your fiction, they have shades of gray. And not only the comple- to your point about the complexity, I like that they have contradictions, mm-hmm. right? And that, that makes them less predictable. Like with Sataj saying, you've got the contradictions there. So you know, you you don't he doesn't like when you expect him to zig, he's gonna zag. And that's what keeps you wanting to turn the pages as well. So I think that's really important. And and I'm glad you mentioned that, that you know, we need to be be real but keep them complex and nobody thinks they're a bad person. So that's yeah, that's really important. So so you know, Hussain, you've talked a lot about your journalism, which reminded me that both of you have come to, to writing your fiction from sort of different parts, right? I mean, Vikram, you've got your MFA and, you know, I I was actually, my introduction to your work was the Bombay stories, mm. um, you know, and be, because I was, as a as a Bombay person, I was looking for stories, short stories, because I love the short story form. I had been looking for short stories about Bombay. I found yours, I found Salman Rushdie's East-West and, you know, just a whole bunch of, that was kind of my gateway into, you're reading your work and then i got into other stuff with uh hussein my gateway was reading your non-fiction as you said you know i loved mafia queens of mumbai because i thought finally we've got women you know being written about <laughs> as complex yeah. well-rounded yeah. people and they're not yeah. these sati you know they are women who
2: smarter than men smarter than men more dominant right. more calculating manipulative yes
1: yeah so exactly and so i was yeah. so that was my gateway to your work as well yeah, and so yeah. you've both approached fiction uh, different paths. talk to me and maybe you know talk about each other's approach in that way is how has that your different path shaped your approach to fiction differently you know i think you've talked a little bit about it already but maybe we could focus a bit more like what what do you think how, like if i ask Vikram how do you think Hossein's work is different from yours because of the fact that it came from a different path, and vice versa? So maybe just talk about how your path has shaped your writing for each other.
0: Well, I think as Hussein said, um, his, um, his 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 uh, what he does requires him to have a kind of faithful um, uh, adherence and truthfulness to what actually happened, mm-hmm. right? And for me, that's very partial, right? I, I can, I like to base things against real events, but then I can like weave my fantasies around them, right? And, and shape them. Um, so I actually, I've written very little nonfiction. Geek sublimeness was my one attempt. And what was infuriating about that was that I couldn't just tell lies that I'd made up, right? Uh, and I have to keep careful footnotes for everything that I said, you know, I, I had references by the hundreds. Uh, And that was very hard for me uh, because I like the flexibility of fiction. But I think in reference to, I guess, what you would call research method, I think both of us do similar things. I mean, maybe Hussein will not agree in that, you know, I do a lot of like secondary material research and I love going into the field, as it were, and talking to people. Because when you talk to people is when you get surprised, right? Um, and then what I also tell my students is, it's frightening how much people want to tell you once they sit down, right? Even strangers, once you start asking them questions, um, you feel like sometimes you have to stop them. Right? Don't tell me the, this,
1: right?
2: I think Vikram, what you should do doing is that you should try to write. I mean, I've been asking Vikram to write non-fiction since the time we have met. So we has never agreed to my suggestion. He said that he likes the freedom of writing fiction. But I think Vikram now, you know, looking back at your way you did your research, you finished your research in Sacred Games, I think you should devote some time to write, a, you know, your uh, account of your research, the way you, you know, went into uh, Dongri area, you went to Park modia Street, and the way you met all those dons and all those shady people. You know, I took him to Park Modia Street, which is Dawood Ibrahim's headquarter in Mumbai. And whenever we were walking through that huge, large, iron rod gate, I told him, don't look at there. you know, just kind of look here and there. Then look at the place, and then again look straight. So I was kept on instruction as if we were in an in this chat. Vikram was walking on my right, and this was on my left, so that Vikram can have a good view of the place. Now I am saying that this is how we have done it. So if he writes his account, his fascinating forays into the Mumbai mafia and the research, his legwork that he has done, I think it will be quite an interesting read for the people. You know, one thing that I found uh, with Vikram is writing is that he d- he refused to write nonfiction. He does not want to write nonfiction. At the same time, he would like to be close to reality, as close as he can, so that the product that we get out of his writing is very, very factual or close to facts as much as he can. So that is one very nice thing. And I must tell you that I've also learned the art of doing research uh, or rather absorbing details more from Vikram and the way he has absorbed it than I used to. I used to take notes. And as a journalist, you're always, you know, compelled to take down note, Okay, this, this, this. Vikram was not taking notes. He was trying to absorb details in his photographic memory. I have seen Vikram; his face, you know, the color of his face changing when he was. We were there at Karim Lala's house at, you know, Grand showed and he was just looking at the the passage, the stairways, and the painting. And I was saying his face; the color at his face drained. I thought, what is there? I mean, is there some kind of fear factor that has come on him right now? But he was just looking straight and he was trying to do a lot of things, which I could not figure at that time. So later on, I asked Vikram, what were you doing? Why did your face turn action at that moment? He said, I was absorbing details. I was trying to take pictures of those details in my mind. Now, which I was not doing earlier. I followed it later in my writing that then I started taking photographic stuff. Whenever I'm meeting someone, I try to, you know, you know, peer very hard and look very deep and try to take as much detail in my mind as possible. Now this. Despite the genius, I was not doing what I learned from Vikram and he was doing his own research. So, my point is that, as he said, our work is so similar, though I might be writing non fiction, but then I've learned a lot of things from Vikram, which is why this program should not have been known as Gurus of Crime. It should have been about Guru and Chilla of Crime. That would have been more than I love this program.
0: (laughs) He was my guru in this world, guys. He always does this, he's very generous. Yeah. No,
1: it's a, it's, a, yeah, it's a mutually beneficial, um, yeah. you know, partnership,
0: yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, but also, I guess my obsession with detail, also, I mean, Jenny, as a writer, you know this, right, that um, the way that you um, make something come alive in the reader's head is through specific detail, right? Mm-hmm. So like, uh, Hemingway carried this to an obsession, right, that you mm-hmm. only, uh, you know, uh, three-fourths of the writing, like an iceberg, should be under the water. And so with one or two specific details, you can evoke a whole world, right? So you're constantly looking for that one thing that you'll see somewhere, right? Uh, I mean, the one story that I always remember about this is I was talking to a young cop in the in a police station, and he was sitting at his desk, and I was asking him my usual questions. I had my notebook out. And then what I remembered years later, and which I actually ended up using in the book, was that under the desk, he was wearing really expensive Nike, right? And so like this guy who's like, you know, young, he's he's handsome, he wants to be the, you know, the sort of dashing hero of the cock films. Um, He spent all his large amount of his money, perhaps some of it ill-gotten, on these very, like, elaborate, technologically advanced shoes, right? Mm. Uh, So that, when you pick up that, you know, that's happy-making. Like, you get as a writer, you say, ah, okay, I've got him, this is it.
1: Yeah, I mean, those are little details, but they go towards building up this complex, you know, uh, image and, you know, part of, become part of the story. So, yeah, I think that's a great one. I would have noticed that too. Yeah, it would have been like, oh, he's the that
2: cop who you met with an Apple. He was using a Mac, and the guy can't write two lines of English if he wants to write a leave application. But he's having a very expensive computer sitting on his table just to flaunt that he's so tech yeah. savvy and he's so tech savvy. With yeah. that kind of things we have seen, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's that's fascinating. So so talking then, you know, I know we've got a few more minutes left, but I know both of you are involved in various uh initiatives, you know, Hussein, especially your your and I need to look up uh, look up the names. There's the Golden Pen Initiative, there's the blue, I forget the blue oh, something. Sorry, yeah, that's yeah. it, right. And so you both that's of it.
2: you
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's wait, what is it? The golden pen is with West and Blue Salt is with Go, Penguin yeah, House. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And
1: and then both both of you have the Writer's Room Initiative. And yeah. and you know, and then Vikram, you've got Granthika, which is the software that I definitely want to try out. So so you're doing a lot of what what I, what, what we call here in the US obviously literary citizenship, where you're encouraging and helping the next generation of crime and noir writers. Talk to me a little bit about what got you headed in that way. Was it just something organically that happened or you made a concerted effort and said, this is something I want to do, you know, encourage the next generation. Talk a little bit about how all of that has come together.
0: Well, um, so as far as the the, uh, writers room, the talking about writer's craft. Uh, Hussein and I have wanted to do this for decades, and we've been talking about it for a very, very long time. Um, But then, I mean, there were two problems. One is that I moved back and forth between the US and India. So, you know, coordinating time. The other is like trying to find a physical space in Bombay (laughs) to actually do this was another whole epic, right? Uh, And we didn't want to do it in somebody's drawing room because that falls apart inevitably. So then recently, especially after the lockdown, um, the entire world has gotten used to doing things remotely as as we are doing now. So we thought this was a good time to actually like, you know, uh, make it happen. And so that's what the writer's room is about. Um, And then, uh, which is, I guess I should explain more, it's a, a series of webinars in which we'll talk about various aspects of writing fiction and nonfiction. And then my software is uh, that problem that I was talking about, about keeping track of time, right? In fiction or in non-fiction, keeping track of all your research. That's always been infuriating to me, right? So if I'm writing in a traditional word processor like Word and I want to look up that cop who I've interviewed five years ago and look at what I wrote down about him, I have to spend half an hour in my note keeping program to find that, you know, that specific note. So what Granthika does is, uh, one way to think about it is that it's a word processor, which is integrated or married with a timeline, with a database. So you can keep all your character information, all your information about locations, your whole timeline in the program. Um, and then you can jump between all of these elements with one keystroke, right? So you don't waste time doing bookkeeping. You write. Um, so yeah, that, that's what it is. So so just to get a little
1: nerdy about that, is it is there like a, a uh, relational database sitting underneath the word processor?
0: Uh, I could go on for hours about this, but oh. no, actually, because it's it's uh, a traditional database is not flexible enough, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, with, with, uh, with, for this kind of stuff. So it's actually uh, a knowledge base, mm-hmm. right? Using, uh, it's built, all of it is built over ontologies. Um, so we can reason over whatever the facts we put in, right? So, mm-hmm. and it's easily flexible. We can add aspects to, you know, uh any of these elements right like for sci-fi writers you know the two gender model obviously even in our world doesn't work right because you have non-binary people and all of that so but we can adapt very quickly for all of that
1: cool well i'm gonna definitely try it out because i'm i've got a work in process novel and i just want to use something to help me along with that so that'd be great thank you and and then Hassan, you were going to talk about you know the the different initiatives you're also involved in with Blue Salt and so Golden Blue Pens. Salt
2: actually uh, is is a more of an imprint uh, with uh, Penguin kind of House. What happened was that uh, for me, um, I know that a lot of people go through uh, you know immense struggle to become an author, and that too with a big publishing house like Penguin. For me, uh, this journey was made much simpler and uh, you know quicker. I, Mr. Vikram, the great Chandra. While I was helping him in sacred games, he said, why would I write a book? And I said, I, I am only a journalist who can write 600 words story a daily. I can't write a book. So he, he, how he mentored me and how he taught me the fine art of writing book. And that too, such a difficult thing, like, uh, March 12, 1993, the, which was the biggest terrorist act at that time in the world. So I uh, kind of started writing the book and I took four years to write. So after finishing that book, I realized, realized that there are so many people and so many things that needs to be written, but I can only do, you know, so much. Here, uh, then we thought that Vikram told me, why don't I, you know, do some handholdings with some people and mentor them and teach them the art of, you know, writing books. And that's how this uh, imprint, Blue Salt, was born. And then I started talking to people. Now you will know that Neeraj Pandey, the famous filmmaker, has debuted with this imprint. Bilal mm-hmm. Siddiqui, Who's Bard of Blood and, you know, yeah. now Netflix. So it, And then former police commissioner Neeraj Kumar. All these guys are, you know, big names. They have done quite good in their own calling, but they have not written a book. It was because of Blue Song that these guys started writing. So far, we have got 20 such published authors and wow. we have sold uh, a lot of books and some of them have also been converted to movies and series. So this is what we do with Blue Song. Now, Golden Pen is a different thing. It's more of a production house where we convert content into digital thing we acquire content mm-hmm. of our own authors our own writers and then it is mm-hmm. you know adapted on the screen there are for a digital web series or for a movie for the big screen and we mm-hmm. have partnered with very big people like matchbox who have made Andhardun and you know those kind of things mm-hmm. and such are our partners in golden Pen. so these are two different initiatives but having more or similar same kind of mm-hmm. purpose
1: Well, no, that's great. And um, yeah, as I said, I attended that one Facebook session, and I thought, not only did you have like hundreds, I think more than 100 people that attended almost 150 or so. But I thought that, you know, the interaction back and forth between you and Vikram was very helpful as well, because you kept it casual. I loved how you were mixing Hindi and English in the conversation as well, because, I mean, that's how people talk. That's how we talk, right? So yeah, that was great.
0: Thank you for listening to Jaipur Bytes, the JLF podcast. I'm your host, Laksh Dutta. This podcast is produced by Launchora in partnership with Teamwork Arts. Please follow or subscribe to Jaipur Bytes wherever you're listening to this to be notified about new episodes.